Greetings, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm. And we pray that as you speak to us about our pain and our suffering and how we are to hear your word on this, help us to listen to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was younger, I was a pretty sickly boy. I remember being on a particular medication that I absolutely hated. It was an extremely bitter pill, and I thought that the right way to eat it is to suck on the tablet until it totally dissolves so that it would coat my throat and enter my lungs. I hated the medicine so much, but it was a long-term illness that required me to continue on with the medication for years. However, one day, I got the courage to ask the doctor if he can prescribe me a different medicine. I explained that it tastes awful and I'm pretty sick of it by then. I know that there were candy-flavored medicine and perhaps there were medicines like that which could be prescribed to me. The doctor then asked me, Why do you suck on the medicine? You're supposed to just swallow it. It was a shock to me. I had somehow thought that for the medicine to be most effective, I need to suck on it and dissolve it in my mouth. I was wrong. And that has led me to hate that medicine for so long, but actually, it's how I've been taking it that was wrong. By sucking on it and savouring the bitter taste, when actually, the doctor's intention is for me to just swallow it, had led me to detest something more than I should have. I have unintentionally made things harder for myself. Now, when it comes to how we deal with our pain and suffering, we tend to make things harder for ourselves, which we will see as we work through the passage. Now, for our passage today, we have just heard Psalms 13 read from the book of Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms is known in Hebrew as Tehillim, which translates to praises. And this book is rightly the choir book of the people of God. Therefore, Psalm 13 is a song that the church sings as it comes to gather together to praise God. Yet, we start looking at the psalm and immediately, it doesn't feel quite like the type of song that we normally sing at church. The psalm has a tone that is somber, sad, desperate, personal and painful. If we read this psalm carefully, we see that it is a lament, a prayer of sorrow. This then should make us wonder. What place does a message like this have in the songbook of God's people? For a book called Praise, does it seem odd to you that this is put in as a song that is sung by the church? Can you imagine singing verse 1? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It seems accusatory, doesn't it? Like, we are blaming God for our problems. In fact, that is exactly what David who wrote the song seems to be doing here. We continue reading and we come to verse 2 and we see, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Feeling abandoned by God in verse 1, David then takes counsel in his soul, which leads him to have sorrow in his heart. Basically, David engages with his feelings internally 
and he listens to what his heart and soul tells him, which leads him to prolong sorrow. Now, David surely knows that it is God who exalts his enemy over him. After all, God is sovereign. And if we add that to the four times where he uttered how long that David makes earlier, we see very clearly that he is clearly saying it is God who allowed this. And what is the nature of the complaint that David has? God has forgotten him. God has hidden his face from him. He has to listen to his heart's sorrowful counsel, which caused him much pain and sorrow. And finally, his fear that God has exalted his enemy over him. Now, this is not too far from what we sometimes think when we endure sorrow, isn't it? It's been about 319 days since the MCO was first announced here in Malaysia. Some people have lost jobs. Family members have become sick and it's difficult to care for them with the restriction. Some have lost loved ones and has to struggle with how to deal with the pain while isolated from those who are there to support them. For some, the enforced loneliness brings them to melancholy and depression. Some saw relationships crumble because of the distance. Some struggle to put food on the table. And some just feel a deep-seated sorrow over the things they can no longer do, like meeting their family or gathering as a church. This has been a difficult time for most of us, and it has caused us pain and suffering. In all these things, do we not sometimes feel like God has forgotten us, as if God has hidden his face from us? How much we are affected by this feeling will differ from person to person, but as we suffer, we feel this pain. However, when it comes to corporate worship, we often tend to think that we should leave our feelings of our circumstances behind and engage God in one specific manner, which is often pictured as boundless joy regardless of our current circumstances. However, when our hearts are filled with sorrow, it is hard to praise and worship God, isn't it? So what is the place then for our pain and sorrow in our suffering when it comes to corporate worship? I think we should be thankful for Psalms that deal with pain and lamentation because it teaches us something about this. You see, friends, have you noticed that unlike some of the Psalms of David, there is no specific context given. We are not told what the circumstances were and when this Psalm was written by David. Have you wondered why they didn't tell us? Wouldn't that have made us understand the Psalm better? As I mentioned earlier, this psalm is meant for us to sing corporately. That is, its purpose for being here. And so by removing these details, the compilers of the psalms makes the psalm accessible to all of us. When we sing or read this psalm, we aren't singing about David's pain. We bring our own pain before God using the words of David. This psalm then, can be the expression of pain, and it teaches us at the same time that it is okay 
to bring our pain to God. God can take it. God wants us to bring our pain and hurt before Him. And so through His Word, He encourages and He brings us to open up to Him. These strong emotions that we feel when we suffer, these feelings are real feelings. And they are a gift of God which makes us truly human. We see in our Old Testament passage how raw and painful Job's lamentation was. And that is God's word that teaches us to grieve. This is why we see his word immortalized here in this psalm, teaching us one of our response that we can use to come to God in our sorrow. God teaches us here that he wants us to lament and express our sorrows to him. However, there is a danger that we may not be learning what God is teaching us here about our sorrows and instead choose to experience and deal with our sorrow in our own way. Now, for most of us, our response to our pain is captured by verses 1 and 2 only. But there is a reason the psalm moves the response from verse 1 all the way to verse 6, where David declares that he will praise God. We need to understand that as we engage with our emotions, if we continue to read how Job grieves, you will see that he too grieves powerfully, but he grieves in the right way. And so, we move to verse 3 and 4, which helps us to expand the context of why David opens up this psalm with doubts and despair. Verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David reminds God to consider his circumstances and highlights exactly what he is worried about and exactly why he is so sorrowful. If he dies and his enemies rejoice because David is shaken, then it shows that God does not care for his people because David is God's anointed king who is given the responsibility to uphold Israel. And so if God's king is not established and is defeated, what does this say about God to all who hear of this? David's concern is about God himself and the people of God who relies on him, about what it means if God does not keep his promises to them and the entire nation of Israel perishes with David. So we can see that there's a difference then when this prayer comes from David's mouth and when it comes from our mouth. When it comes out of David's mouth, he is pointing God to the promises that God has made to him that don't directly apply to us. We are not the Christ, the chosen king that God has made a promise to. In that sense, as we sing the Psalms, there is a part that applies to us and teaches us, but we can't apply everything directly to us. We can bring our sorrows before God, but we have to remember that God's promise to us is not that he will give us victory in everything, but that he is the God of comforts that loves his people but will still use their suffering to build them up in greater trust and faith in Him. 
So verse 3 and 4 grounds us in regards to how we are to understand this psalm. So David points us back to God's promises to Israel and shows us exactly why he can cry out in such a personal manner when things look like he's going to fail. Here then is the king who is despairing because he's starting to look like God's promises may fail while he entertains this doubt that has come about because he's relying on what his heart is telling him. David then brings us to verse 5 and 6 to show us what the reality actually is. Verse 5, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here then is how David moves from his emotion of feeling abandoned by God. He reflects on God's steadfast love that he has experienced to remind himself of the trust he has in it. He realizes that he knows of God's salvation because God has dealt bountifully with him as he recalls how God has raised him from a mere shepherd boy to be the king of Israel, granting him victories and safety from his enemies. Through this, God has brought salvation to Israel, either from Goliath, the enemies of the nations, from Saul, and even from outright rebellion by his own son. In all these things, David had trusted God and acted in a manner that shows his trust and faith. This realization then cements his trust. Even in this pain he is going through as he writes this psalm, he will trust in God. So in response to that, he sings to the Lord. Perhaps he may not feel like singing at that very moment, but he recognizes that it isn't how he feels that has the last word, but the reality of God's character towards him that ultimately matters. So David shows us a few things here that are so very important for us, even as we struggle with our own pain. David takes in his pain. He relies on his counsel within his soul, and his heart leads him deeper into despair. Yet, he does not stay there. And he deals with it by bringing it before God and reminding himself of who God is and his faithfulness towards him. This then has the effect of changing his sorrow into trust. When we deal with our pain, we will listen to the counsel of our soul, what our heart and our feelings tell us, and we feel that God has abandoned us, that God does not love us. And while these feelings are real to us and have to be dealt with as genuine feelings, we have to remember that they may not represent reality. Our problem, however, is that we don't engage with that and instead we tend to stay at that emotional level and continue listening to what our heart tells us. Friends, this sorrow and pain then is like that medicine that I was given in my youth. God gave it to us so that we will swallow it and use it to deepen our trust in God. Our suffering is part of our growth. However, what we do when we only dwell on our emotions 
and do not seek to bring them to God to help us respond to him in trust is equivalent of we keeping on sucking the medicine. We taste the bitterness and we dwell within that bitterness, refusing to go to the next step that David leads us to. That is to come to see how bountifully God has dealt with us. So in the same way that I was wrong to take the medicine by sucking on it until it dissolves, instead of just popping it into my mouth, drinking some water, we too can make the same mistake of overindulging our emotions and not seek to respond to our emotions in a healthy way that helps us to trust in God. And that's what this passage shows us. Now think about it. Have you not had a day when you wake up and the sun is shining and the birds are gently singing, then you go out of bed and you enjoy a walk in the sun. The wind blows and you truly enjoy that day. What do you do? You may make a social media post. You may even praise God for it. But when trouble comes, you forget about it. In some way or another, we have all been dealt with kindly by God, haven't we? Yet we refuse to see God's blessing on us when we are going through something bad because we want to blame God. We don't want to admit that God who knows all things and means to work all things for good can give us good things, but at the same time also allow bad things to happen. Instead, we want to feel angry at God rather than surrender to His will and seek His comfort in dealing with the circumstances. In the same way, count your blessings if you can and use it to strengthen your trust in Him. Has God given you love in the form of friends and family? Has God allowed you to taste wonderful food? Have you enjoyed any activity or conversations in your life? Has there been anything good and pleasant in your life? Taste and know that the Lord is good. God has dealt with you bounteously, even if you may not want to concede the point when your emotion draws you to sorrow and despair. However, these good things were not things that you earn, nor is the universe somehow obliged to give you good things. These good things are God's providential blessings to you. And through that, you know that God does care. In times of trouble, it is by remembering these things that we deal with how we feel. Our emotions are real. How we feel is real. But we must temper these things by remembering that God is good and He has dealt good with us so that in that moment of suffering, we can still continue desiring God and trusting in Him. Ultimately, this song points us to the greatest way in which God has dealt with us bountifully. You see, there was a king whose suffering and sorrow was greater than David. He agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane while his disciples poorly kept watch. My soul is sorrowful even to death, Jesus said. Indeed, unlike David's situation, it did appear as if God has turned his face from him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus said at the cross. As Jesus was mocked and beaten and tortured, God did not send help. It was as if God had forgotten him. 
His enemies exalted over his defeat and his death. And for three days, it looked like God's promises cannot be trusted. Yet despite his suffering and anguish, Jesus trusted in God and God dealt with him bounteously. God raised him up from the dead and seated him in the heavenly place and gave him all power and authority. As God kept his promise to his Christ, his King, we who are united to Jesus through faith in him, through faith in God's promises, are also promised eternal life. We are also promised to be seated in the heavenly places. We are promised a day when suffering will be no more and God wipes away every tear. So friends, as we deal with our suffering and pain, don't keep it in your mouth and savour the bitterness. Swallow it. Bring your prayers to God. Seek to deal with it by calling to mind the goodness of God. Remember, Jesus, and how God promises you eternal life through Christ. And let these things bring peace and comfort to you, even if you find yourself walking through the valley of the shadow of death itself. God is good. God can be trusted. And the purpose of our suffering is so that we can bring it to God to strengthen our faith in Him. Let us then lament, not as people without hope, but rather as people who sees our suffering in light of the great hope we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us that our suffering is meaningful, that you want us to come before you, to bring our pain, to lament before you. And thank you for showing us how to deal with our pain in the right way. To be reminded that you are God, that you are good. And to remember that we can continue to trust in you. Help us to do this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.